Hey, what's good, my amazing friends? Welcome to The Remedy. I am your host, Sarah Amazing Grace. And man, I am so stoked to have you guys here with me again for another week. Today, my friends, we're going to be talking about faith. And I know we touched on it a little bit a few episodes ago, but faith is something that I am actively putting into place in my life right now. I'm heading somewhere that I don't know where I'm going to end up. And it is causing me to have to put faith in God. What is faith? I mean, is it any of those comforting sayings that we hear or those sweet little wall plaques that we find at Ross or at Home Goods? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. People use faith in their sayings to elicit comfort, to pump up their pep talks. I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. said that faith is like taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. And that reminds me of that scene in Indiana Jones, where in the Holy Grail, when Indiana Jones has to step out onto what looks like an abyss and have faith in his treasure map that's telling him that he won't fall. Uh, Spoiler alert. He takes the step and he doesn't fall and there's an invisible walkway that he couldn't see. But where does that term faith even come from? Why do we even speak about faith? I mean, isn't faith just wishful thinking? I'm sure some people think so. Why do we even have this word that we speak to ourselves? What do we even have faith in? Are we hoping in a collective universe or are we just hoping to the wind or are we we even placing hope in ourselves? I mean, for me, that's really shaky ground. Muhammad Ali, he said that it's a lack of faith that keeps people from meeting challenges, and I believe in myself. Okay, I get that, but sheesh, I've let myself down more times than I can count. I mean, many times I've said to myself that I'm not going to do XYZ, and before I know it, XYZ crops up and I'm like, uh, I'll start again tomorrow, you know? I mean, what about you? Can you relate? Maybe you're one of those ones that has it all together. And if you are, man, what's your secret? Because that ain't me. But what is faith after all? There's that author and poet, Khalil Gibran, and he explains it as faith is the knowledge within the heart beyond the reach of proof. Okay, that's interesting. That reminds me of that show back in the day, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Do you remember that show? If you have no idea what I'm talking about, YouTube it. (laughs) I mean, it might seem kind of cheesy now, but back in the day, that ish was creepy. Jack Palance, he was an actor. He would talk about the most bizarre things in the world, like snakes eating humans and sea monsters and half-man, half-wolf hybrids. And the stories were all true, but man, they were hella bizarre. It was like the Guinness Book of World Records meets The X-Files. And often the stories were so out there that they were hardly believable at all. They even have like Ripley's Believe It or Not museums now where you can see the specimens and they travel around and it's, it's crazy. But at the end of the story, Jack Palance would say in his super creepy, chilling voice, believe it or not. And then there was a revival of this show, like in the 2000s, but man, it wasn't it. Dean Cain, all right, love him or hate him, but he did not have that same flair for the dramatic that Jack Palance had. Anyway, I digress. Faith to me isn't a flowery saying. Faith is often super scary, like your life is weighing in the balance. 
and you're believing for something to happen that you can't even see. Insert, believe it or not, you know? The Bible says in Hebrews 11:1 1, that faith is the reality of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things that we cannot see. That's a pretty radical statement if you stop and think about it. Believing in things that we can't see, that's fairy tale stuff, isn't it? Yet people from all walks of life throughout time and history, Bible believers or not, speak about faith, somehow believing that it's all going to work out. But faith doesn't come easy. Even for a Christian believer whose whole eternal destiny is based on believing that a man who lived a few thousand years ago died and then rose from the dead as a living sacrifice for the sins of the world, the Messiah. A historic record shows that Jesus of Nazareth was here on earth, so that doesn't take much faith to believe that Jesus was here. But it takes faith to believe that Jesus was who he says he was. The Son of God, that takes faith. For those of us who are Christian believers, we have had that encounter with the Lord that has turned us from our former life to surrendering to Christ. And we've had that Jesus take the wheel moment. That doesn't really take faith. I mean, at least not for me. No one can convince me that in that bathroom in Lodi, California, that I didn't hear the voice of Jesus call my name audibly. He called me from the path that I was headed down. There is no doubt to me that Jesus is real. My faith struggles, though, they came later. They came because in my life, I've endured some really shattering moments, shaking my faith, starting almost as far back as I can remember. Even as a little innocent girl, I prayed and I believed. My mom was pregnant, and I already had three brothers, and I wanted nothing more than to have a sister. Every night, I was four and a half years old, me, I would get on my knees and I would pray to God that it would be a sister. Oh, God, please give me a sister. Every single night, I wouldn't go to bed without faithfully praying. When they told me it was a boy, I cried. There are little pigtail pictures of me with my dad holding me and I've got puffy red eyes and tear-stained cheeks saying, but I prayed for a girl. It was the first of many moments in my life where I would pray in earnest and what I asked for wasn't the ultimate outcome. It wasn't my lack of belief or lack of the best prayer or lack of some kind of formula. It was that God had more. It's taken me years to come to that place, though. I've had my faith-filled hopes crushed to the dirt. I've wept when absolute injustice was served after my physically devastating car accident that the responsible parties were not held responsible in court. I had my faith severely tested when I was in a relationship and I prayed for that person to change their heart and their mind about some circumstances that they were heading into. That betrothed relationship became full of betrayal and ultimately, even though I begged God to save it, that wasn't the outcome. My faith was severely tested and tried when I was holding the lifeless body of our 18th child as we buried it into the ground after burying the 17 before. I begged God to spare his life in my womb, but there was a different plan. Time and time again, I have felt let down. 
I've been there. I've sat in a puddle of my own tears, hopelessness, even as a faith-filled Christian. That's the real deal. Choosing to have faith is so hard. I've heard well-meaning people, oh, hey, God wouldn't let the worst happen, and he wouldn't bring you this far just to let you down. No, he wouldn't. But the worst outcome to my human eyes and from my limited perspective, yes, that has happened. I've lived it. Was it the worst outcome? No. Why? Because I have faith that God is good that he sees the whole picture, and that he knows what the outcome would have been in those scenarios. How do I know that? Why do I keep trusting the Lord? (laughs) Where else would I go? The Lord has the words of eternal life, just like Jesus asked Peter. My reaction and response is the same. Lord, where would I go? Also, God has shown me over and over his great love through his word, through my life's circumstances, through communication and through communion with him. Relationships are built on trust and God wants us to trust him. Faith works because of God's love for us. 1 John 4, 9 says that we love him because he first loved us. And that's so true. When you meditate on his word, when you get to know the heart of God, you will experience a glimpse of that love, real, true love. Instead of trying so hard to work up faith, we would be wise to spend that time and effort simply receiving God's love and loving him in return. We're only going to be able to walk in faith based on what we believe about the Father's love. If you believe God is hateful, vengeful, terrible, I mean, why would you trust somebody like that? You wouldn't. So when you know that God is love, that he loves you, that he wants the best for you, then faith in him is made easier. Galatians 5, 6 says that faith works by love. Faith will not work without love. This scripture is telling us that if we don't know how much God loves us, then we have nothing to base faith on. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says that faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Why? Because you can't have the others. You cannot have faith or hope without first knowing the love of God. Trusting God and walking in faith is leaning on him and trusting him for everything. And you can only do that with someone that you trust and that you know loves you unconditionally. God's love is his free gift to us, and we simply need to just receive it, be thankful for it, and let it bring us closer to him. When you are assured of the fact that God loved you first, you're excited to love him in return. You're excited to live your life completely for him, no matter the circumstances. Nobody in all the world will ever love you as God loves you. (laughs) Sarah, how can you say that? With all that you've been through, how can anyone who's been through the death of your own children or betrayal through tragedy, how can you say that? Because when you're trusting the Lord to lead, he will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. With experience, you learn that ultimately he is faithful. He will ultimately use whatever it is for the good and to bring comfort, healing, shape you, mold you. And you get to see God show his mighty hand in a way that you may never have seen that otherwise. 
But just like any relationship, it takes time to build that trust. Man, I see so much damage done by this word of faith, name it and claim it movement. People who think that they can order God around and tell him what to do, how to bless them, how to pop into their scenario, do their bidding, and then, hey, God, pop out while I do my own thing, bigger jets, prosperity. That ain't it. If you've been through or lived through real life tragedy, you realize that that puzzle piece doesn't fit in real life. That puzzle piece is born out of our flesh that we know best. Basically, that we are God and that God is somehow our servant, our genie. (laughs) Nope, that ain't it. One thing that you learn, though, really fast through tragedy is that you aren't in control. You aren't in control of much. You might have the illusion that you are. I mean, Muhammad Ali, he said that he has faith in himself. The illusion that you are in control, (laughs) you're not. My mom says that the only thing that we're in control of is our hair color and our furniture arrangement. (laughs) I, I feel that. My dad used to use the sermon illustration of our parents are driving the car and we're just the baby in the back seat with the fake plastic steering wheel. Beep, beep, thinking that we're all in control. Right. Then your child gets sick. Your spouse dies. Or a tornado sweeps through, an earthquake happens, and the earth swallows a whole neighborhood, and you learn real quick that you are not in control. This world is fallen. Lots of really hard lessons happening all around us. Clinging to God and trusting Him, that takes faith. But from many years of experience, I can say that He is always faithful. So when those times of uncertainty come through, I can trust him again and again. It isn't easy, though. Even though I have lots of practice of trusting God, here I am yet again dealing with that lesson right now in my life. Trusting God when I can't see the outcome. A few episodes back, I shared that we're moving, and I also shared that I have this fear of selling our house here in Portland and not having a house to go to. I talked about in the game of musical chairs that right now I have a chair. And when the music stops, I don't want to not have a chair. But you know what, you guys? Right now, I don't have a chair. I'm in that super vulnerable spot. I tried everything in my control to make sure that that didn't happen. And when our deal fell through in Texas after we had already sold our house here in Oregon, it took my breath away. But I thought, you know what? (laughs) Now it's time for me to put my words into action. Faith. Do I trust God? Do I believe that he is good? Do I believe that he is going to lead and open all of these other doors, but leave that last door (laughs) unopened? No. Why? Because I have experience and God's not let me down yet. It's still an uncertain place to be and I don't like it. And part of me, that frosted side, That fleshly side of me is feeling chaotic and scared, but the mature Christian side of me, the whole wheat side, if you will. You guys remember that commercial of the frosted side and the whole wheat side? (laughs) Well, that whole wheat side of me is actually full of peace. It's the peace that passes all understanding, knowing that the Lord won't leave us like this. He has shown us over and over that he is leading us. And I know that he will prepare the right place for us and that he already is. I know it. I know it in my knower. How? Because he's done it before. He's proven over and over who he is. So I say to myself, Sarah, 
believe it or not. And I choose to believe it. I hope you will too. I love you guys. Peace. Hey, 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 thanks for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe. New shows coming at you each week. If you have a question or a comment, send them to asksaragrace at gmail.com. Catch you on the flip side.